With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Watching the Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad-free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution, head to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as $1 per month. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Mountains. Mm. And my name is Wyoming Bean. And today... We're talking about a very special episode. Very special episode? No, we're talking about a very special album. (laughs) We just wanted to take an episode to talk about how special this episode is, you know? Yeah. You know, that last episode we did was really great, and I would really like to go in-depth about, you know, how we covered the life of Pablo and how we deconstructed it. I thought it was very scholarly and uh, academic of us. I feel like there's already people that think we're very annoying for <laughs> our style of analysis. If we did a meta episode deconstructing our own deconstruction. Well, Jordan did pitch that uh, every year on the one year anniversary, uh, on the uh, yearly anniversary of our Lift Yourself episode, that we do a commentary episode where the episode plays in the background and we talk about what it was like to record the episode that day. That would actually be, okay, I'm down for it. Yeah, Sorry, that, everybody. <laughs> we, we need to continue to troll people every year on that date. <laughs> uh, but I guess we're, I feel like we should be more like, maybe listeners expect, I know on the YouTube video I put out, I think everybody expects that there should be like a high energy, like, we got the new Kanye, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. But uh, I guess I just feel... Like, I feel very relieved that the album's out and that I love it. Yeah. And it's just, it's giving me, like, a very calm, I don't know, I just feel like a very calm energy. Right? It it was, I mean, everything is so different than it was for The Life of Pablo, where we were expecting it to come out, and Kanye's all over Twitter, and he's shown his track listings, and there's so much hype, and then it doesn't come out. And he's like, oh, you know, like, chances making me fix waves. And, like, each day, like, you're checking Twitter. Is it out? Is it out? Is it out? Then what? Kanye's on SNL. Like, there's so much hype to where, for this, Kanye re- announced the date. Some shit went down. He put on a red hat. And then a few weeks later, like, you know, he's basically been silent since then. Um, and I thought for sure, at least a few days leading up to the album, we were going to get more yay. And we didn't. So... I actually, I felt the same way going into the album. I had this like kind of 
calm energy because there wasn't much hype actually and the, the only hype that to be found was us on twitter just like talking about it with people um so yeah it was a strange way to take in a kanye album for sure yeah and i the reaction there's so many uh i mean i guess we'll get to the reaction for this episode we wanted to kind of do just a bit of an overview of everything leading up to the album some first reactions to the album and just have this kind of be uh you know an initial view initial reactions and recapping what went down yeah and then on tuesday we're going to try our best to release an overview of the entire album um any storylines that are on the album the general themes what it's the ideas it's covering before we head into our track by track analysis yeah so every tuesday until we're through the album it's going to be track by track yeah 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 Tuesday. Does that work? Oh, hell yeah, it does. And then every Friday after that, we'll be covering uh, Kids See Ghosts. Yeah. So this is going to be a lot of podcast recording. You know what? I'm up to task, though. <laughs> I'm inspired. I'm pretty inspired. I think the thing I'm most excited about is we're going to do the overview episode for this album on Tuesday and Cuddy on Friday, or Kanye Cuddy. Um, but then when we finish all the episodes, we're going to be doing another overview episode just because we learn so much, even though we have an idea of what the album's doing, what the songs are doing, even on something like Life of Pablo and Yeezus, where we feel very confident every time you go through line by line the song for the first time, put together episodes how we do, you always kind of discover new things. So I'm very, I'm very excited about comparing our first overview episode to our last overview episode yeah i think the i mean the biggest point to note that that is happening with us is we just did the wolves episode and in that episode we were like all right this is the end of the relationship talk like kanye isn't gonna you know do another story that's about him and kim like overcoming their troubles because in wolves like you know they're ready to be parents and then what do you know here comes yay and it's exploring a lot of similar grounds as what's discussed on Wolves, but also taking it to a new stratosphere. Like, we just can't keep up with this fucker. Yeah, and that's one of the cool things about it. It's, he takes it to the next place, where it's not just repeating what Wolves was, but looking at the post-Wolves, like, fear. It's just the next step, and a step that we're like, no, no, he won't take that. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I, as Chris said, we'll do our initial overview episode, but we'll definitely need to fix it in eight weeks. <laughs> so, thanks for being there with us. Um, so last night was pretty pretty crazy. It's it's funny because we have friends that are getting married this weekend, and they wanted to have a casual dinner last night, and we're like seven thirty. Yeah, we'll be there, and this is Central Time. And uh, the album was going to start, I think the live stream was going to start around 11 central Mm -hmm. time. So I'm like, that's plenty of time. But because it was like a large group, it's a lot of people that hadn't seen each other for a while. It took a while to order. It took a while for the food to come out. Mm, I know that game. And I'm just looking. I'm like, it's 945. (laughs) It's 10 (laughs) o'clock. And I mean, like. You probably you gotten home in time, I'm sure, for the live stream. But there's so much build up to the actual song, the the actual album playing. You know, 
there was at least 60 minutes of a fire crackling and yeah like <laughs> i watched every second of that yeah i needed to experience all the visuals and not only experience the visuals but shit post on twitter about <laughs> the visuals yeah that's your job not mine yeah you just get to kick back and enjoy it it's awesome crackling fire while i'm sitting there being like look at these memes of this guy carrying this log. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I love what Condi was doing with the live stream and kind of like um, he, do- he did with the Life of Pablo in the release, how it was streamed from Madison Square Garden. It was this theme of unity and like inviting fans in and having everyone be part of this celebration of releasing the album as opposed to um, what Ye was doing and how it felt very different and open and um like distant like not distant in the sense that like we're not part of it but distant in the 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 way he's exploring himself on the album like being out in the open wyoming air like surrounded by nothing but mountains and being secluded like it really gets at this idea that he's working on himself in this album um and it puts you in the right mindset there's something i'm gonna find I think endlessly fascinating about the difference in rollout between the life of Pablo and that listening party versus this listening party. And just there's that idea of inclusiveness that happened with having everybody able to come to Madison Square Garden and be part of it. And doing the movie theaters. And doing the movie theaters. But there's also something, I think, almost more ego about that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, we're doing this in Madison Square Garden. I'm doing a fashion show before. Um, we're all here and get to celebrate together, but also you're all here for me. Which I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing right. in and of itself, but I, I do think it comes from more of a place of, like, especially what he was talking about in the Charlemagne the God interview with still wanting some of that validation, still wanting, like, ego uh to compare that then to yay and the mountains the openness the fact that it was a small group of people that was invited some press but a lot of the kind of family 2.0 that you get along the way Mm -hmm. um people that you want to be intimate with and have this intimate experience and as you're saying, with the mountains, there's something different about that openness versus the enclosedness of the Madison Square Garden, just the size difference, the fact that you didn't have to go buy a movie ticket and find a theater that people could just download an app and watch for free. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to discuss in that and the contrast to it. Yeah. I mean, you can even take it back as far as Jesus and how that album was dropped it i mean everything surrounding it anyway connie's going out doing all these crazy andy warhol-esque interviews he's crazy he's egotistical he's over the top and it really plays into the energy he's giving you an Jesus. um and then translate and you know you skip ahead the life of pablo and there is that inclusivity aspect to it but the, the ego that you're talking about is more of like i'm on a mission from god like, I'm riding an ultra light beam and I'm doing something important and I want to share that with everyone. So that's the ego. And then Ye kind of strips ego away. Well, it doesn't strip it away because he's Kanye. <laughs> but it is humbled in the sense that he's ready to accept help. Um, he's ready to work on himself. He's ready to accept his faults. Um, and that setting is a huge 
part of that, that it's just him and his friends, really. It's the people that helped him become a better person that are allowed to be part of the live stream. Um, there are people uh, that worked on the album that have said that this is a My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy 2. And we know that in the wake of everything that happened with the Taylor Swift VMAs, Kanye found shelter in Hawaii and bringing everybody to a Hawaii and coming out of that kind of, well, <laughs> with this project that put him back on the map and got a lot of acclaim, even if the content of it, you're like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> like, it's amazing music, but like looking at the lyrics, this is sad. Um, but this is also that kind of distancing from civilization. Uh, you're going to the mountains rather than Hawaii, but there's a different tone, a different attitude. And you come away with that uh, with something unique, I think. Yeah. I mean, it really does feel like a conclusion to what was explored. I mean, moving even from my my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy through every single album leading up to Ye, it does feel like the conclusion of that, you know, that Dark Twisted Fantasy kind of coming out of it and that... Uh, you know, open setting just feeds into that. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Also, I I loved uh, that people were starting to get anxious about the the listening party starting, and it seems it, there's more of a fun theory, and there's more of a what could be the true theory. One, though, they could coincide. Uh, everybody was wondering if Kanye was delaying because he was wanting to see the end of the Cavs game. <laughs> Which, fuck the refs. God damn. Oh, no, I didn't see any of it. They just were making... The last, like, three minutes of the fourth quarter, as the Cavs are just, like, keep taking the lead and, like, struggling, they keep giving the Warriors all these calls. Like, stupid fucking calls. And it completely shifted the momentum, even with the Cavs almost winning, despite J.R. Smith's best efforts, uh, which took us to overtime. And then just got fucked royally fucked um but at one point when they were doing the mic check you could hear the game on in the background um so people were kind of like is he just waiting for the game to end this is hilarious but it also turned out mike dean wasn't there yet um so at one point he had to call mike dean and see where mike dean was and it could be that mike dean was watching the end of the basketball game it was just like i can't leave this fucking hotel room until i see who wins um but that was that was i think one of my highlights of watching the stream just aside from the 2001 space odyssey visuals (laughs) you know as we found out too connie was editing the album on his way to it so maybe he was still uh tinkering some of the songs yeah, and the reason why the album didn't come out right away at midnight is they were still polishing it up. So it could be that they were still even doing some work on it leading up to the <laughs> to the listening party. Yeah. Um, I had an interesting experience with the live stream, actually, because I, I we had this trip planned to Chicago for a bit now. Driving from Minneapolis, that's like a six, seven-hour drive. Um. And I I should have planned this better, but like when Lauren picked me up from work and we were going to get on the highway, she was driving. I was like, hey, do you want me to drive first? And she's like, no, I will, because we usually split it. Um, and kind of when we switched to, when we switched halfway through and I was going to drive, I was like, oh shit, like I'm going to be driving while the Kanye streams happen. 
<laughs> and Lauren's like trying to be nice, like, oh, like I can drive. I was like, no, that'd be shitty. Just like, can you watch it? And then like, I will try my best to half watch it and drive, which is a terrible plan. Um, but yeah, we were pretty much doing that the whole way. And Lauren was just like describing things to me, like, yeah, the fire is still crackling. Like, oh, some dude put a log on it. And like, oh, there are some horses running now and all that. And I would check in over once in a while. Um, but like, it, it felt like the universe didn't want me to hear this album because probably at least three times in the trip, like almost got in a crazy accident. No. <laughs> so at one point, like there was a, we were going on like a big curve and there was a semi in the right lane. And I shouldn't even know better trying to go next to a semi to curve. But he was like straight up coming to our lane during the curve. And like I had to go pretty far in the shoulder and like blast my horn and he didn't move and all that. All the while trying to look over to Lauren's shoulder at the fucking phone while the live stream's happening. <laughs> but then at one point, there was like all this just construction and it was terribly laid out. Like there weren't any signs for it. Like all of a sudden you had to like maneuver over to another lane and the cones were everywhere. It felt like a toddler put them everywhere. And um, I looked over and in, so basically like it's a three or four lane highway and there's only one lane. And there's this dude who accidentally went through the cones. It was just driving on the right through like construction area. Um, and there weren't any like people around or anything. It wasn't super dangerous, but he realized it. And then he's like, he's about kind of behind me. And there's a car behind me, probably like three car lengths behind. And he starts coming back to the one lane and he's coming kind of fast. And I was like, oh, that dude needs to like slow down. He's going to run into a car. And then he just ran into the car that was behind me. No. Yes. Going like 70 miles an hour, like slammed into a car, slammed that car into a wall because it was a construction zone. And this like, I just witnessed this accident happening behind me while I'm waiting for the live stream. <laughs> and then oh. the dude drove away. What? He, he went back to the construction area and like flew down the highway like 90 miles an hour. Holy fuck, did you get the license plate? No, we took a photo of him and Lauren called and like reported what kind of car it was. But uh, yeah, and then all, when all that was done, right back to the live stream. <laughs> I just imagine like if it was a sitcom, there'd be a moment where she's like, I need to take a picture. And you're like, but the live stream. <laughs> and she just looks at you and you're like, yeah, 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 that's right, take a picture. Well, the good part Use of this was uh, we had two phones. Uh, uh, <laughs> And we were switching between the two phones at the live stream because sometimes one of us would get a better connection. So she would just like switch to this video and like, I don't know. It was a pretty entertaining way to consume that album. Yeah, that's something where I'm I'm sitting like downstairs in my office <laughs> tweeting at a bunch of people. Like you get to have a very intimate experience. That's kind of cool to see two sides of it. Yeah. Uh, but then when the, the album started, though, I mean, I, I could pretty much listen to it because she had it through the aux cord in the car so I could listen to the album. But just looking over once in a while and seeing Kanye smile on the dancing, like, that's that's the way to do a fucking road trip. <laughs> that is. And he's still smiling and dancing the same as the Madison Square Garden. Man, seeing him and Kim together, like, especially... Um, God, I'm forgetting song titles already. Um, during something like Wouldn't Leave, like, that's just fucking... That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, um, I was uh, when the live stream started. I actually, I guess I, I made a sacrifice. Uh, 
<laughs> I had it. I had it on my iPad. So I was like, I'm gonna get this nice, like, crystal clear, large screen. But I saw so many people tweeting that they didn't know where to watch it, and I was like, fine, fuck it. <laughs> so I set up the camera that I use for the YouTube videos, and I put it on the iPad, and brought over like a, a higher elevated stand to put the iPad on, and plugged in the mic and put the mic in front of the iPad. And just did like a a live stream on YouTube, and it was pretty cool to see. Like, I had to stand at like a really awkward angle, so I couldn't I couldn't sit and watch the screen. I was kind of like standing, looking over the shoulder of the camera, <laughs> um, listening and watching everything, and then sometimes like getting on Twitter, commenting in the YouTube live stream. Yeah. But it was kind of cool. Just it got up to like eleven hundred people at one point, and then people are like, "Thanks for sacrificing the channel, bro." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, your channel's gonna get taken down for this." I was like, "Oh, oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> and then you canceled the live stream. No, actually, somebody reported it. Uh, some dude that was so angry. <laughs> he uh, he commented on another video and was like, "Ha ha ha." Take that, you clout-chasing fuck. <laughs> um, and he's like, you've been reported. I was just like, why would you do that? Like, from your picture, he just had, like, a backwards hat and a big smile in his picture. I was like, you look like a chill guy. And he's like, the fuck you say I look like a chill guy? Like, <laughs> you're, a, you're a guest in the... What was it? Something like... You were just a guest in the castle of hip hop or something. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, you honky. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I was just like, well, I hope you're not so angry one day. <laughs> I don't know what I, I did. He needs to listen to the album. That's the way to not be angry anymore. Right? It would make him so happy. <laughs> so it was like cool getting to hear everything, especially two times through. But then part of me was like, so caught up in managing that that I was just kind of like, okay, I heard it, but I don't know if I really got to hear it. I know I liked it better on first listen during the listening party than The Life of Pablo. Oh, yeah. Well, The Life of Pablo, I think, was especially tough, at least for me anyway. I don't know what the stream was like everywhere else, but <clears throat> it really felt like you were going in and out of songs and the track order wasn't done yet. You know, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. I just heard a lot of lyrics on the life of Pablo and sounds that I didn't like at first. Hmm. Like a lot of the coming out of ultra light beam, which was amazing, but hearing like the bleached asshole line for the first time. Yeah. I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> and then hearing the famous verse for the first time with like, I think me and Taylor might still have sex. I'm just like, what? <laughs> And then low lights and feedback. I'm just kind of like, okay, okay. Like, highlight lyrical content. I was just like, eh. Freestyle 4, I was like, eh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that points to the real big difference between this, between The Life of Pablo and Ye, is that, in a way, Jesus and The Life of Pablo are things you need to appreciate over time. Like, they're, they have storylines they have layers they have all these different they move in different ways and 
you really have to study them in a way, kind of like you have to do with um, Good Kid, Bad City or The Pippa Butterfly or something. You really have to take the time to understand them to whereas yay is kind of like uh it's much more like 808s as you were saying earlier um before we started the episode you know it's it's less of a cohesive storyline and more uh an aesthetic and uh some general ideas that are conveyed the entire time and it's um it it flows in that way it kind of washes over you and it and it's more about a feeling and a state of mind as opposed to something you need to like Oh, why does low light sound so different than Freestyle Four? Because like it's capturing different points in the storyline, as opposed to Yay, which is you feel like you're just understanding him more the entire time. Yeah, and the Sonic Journey is much different over the course of the album, where just the Sonic Journey itself conveys so much. Where I don't know if that Sonic Journey is as apparent on Yeezus or the Life of Pablo right away. I mean, it's there when you get to it, but it's more complicated Yes, with what's going on, where I feel like form and function are almost the same on Ye. Yeah, totally. Where that journey, where the soundscape's journey is the character journey. And I, I do think that's actually similar to something like Yeezus. It's just harder to take in. Like, at first, when you hear the Hungarian outro of New Slaves, you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, this, the, like sonically, you're like, this doesn't make any sense with what's been going on, but it actually does as a transition into Hold My Liquor. Right, which has a lot of complexity to it, which I really like. But when you're just getting that, like, very straightforward, I get this on the most emotional level rather than logical level... Yeah. Like, yay is just, I think, more simple. Yeah. In that way, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just more straightforward, I feel, sonically with what it's doing thematically. Yeah, it's even more straightforward in the sense that it, it kind of feels like it's about one thing on the surface. Of course, it's about a billion different things because it's Kanye. Um, but to get at the kind of core meaning of it, you can really see it on the surface as opposed to Yeezus, like, you probably don't realize that that album is about somebody dealing with the depression at first, or if you listen to the life of Pablo, like, but you probably don't realize right away that it's somebody's journey to be more committed to his wife. And it's really about infidelity, like all this stuff, like that's all stuff you consume over time. Um, but I mean, I think if you listen to yay, it's very clear that he's talking about being bipolar and learning to love both sides of himself and learning to accept his faults, learn from his faults that he doesn't need to be ashamed in the way he acts. Like, that's all right there for the taken, like, right right away. Yeah, in a way, it's his most accessible album since 808s. Yeah, if you call it accessible, yeah. <laughs> Everyone hated it. <laughs> yeah, the soundscape was too jarring, but the lyrical content yes. I think people fucked with. Yeah. They're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what the hell is autotune? Yeah. <laughs> It's still, I just, I've been wanting to say this for a while. It still blows my mind that in the Kanye Jay Z friendship, that Kanye releases an entire auto tuned album. And how many months later, Jay Z releases Death of Auto Tune? Yeah. Where he just shits on auto tune. You're like, well, think about where their careers went after those two albums. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye makes four classics and Jay... What did Jay do? No one remembers. Tom Ford. <laughs> Although I fuck with Blueprint 3, but after that. Yeah. 
what we get Magna Carta. Oof. Oh, watch the throne, but that's Kanye. Yeah, he was he had a lot of help. <laughs> and then four forty four, which whatever it's whatever, whatever. Uh, so you're listening to the albums for the first time. Were you and Lauren jamming? What was uh what was the listening experience like for you? Yeah. Uh, so as I said, like going into the album was a much different energy than the life of Pablo. Like I was so high for the life of Pablo that I was just going to like, you know, I was going to hop on his dick no matter what. Like I was just ready for it. Um, to whereas like, I kind of just had no idea what to expect from yay. And heading into it, we had our theories about what it would be like. Like I, I was like, okay, it won't be about relationship anymore. It'll be about his place in the world. And it, it, it is about that. But like, Specifically, I had no idea where he was going to go. So when um, I Thought About Killing You comes on, it's... <laughs> I mean, it, it grabbed me right away. Like, just the, the spoken word and the it's light on the music and everything. It's just him kind of, like, being so open. I, like, I was on board right away. But I, I think moving on from that, especially as that song picks up, and he goes a little harder and then it heads into yikes and I guess the rest of the album like it was tough for me to figure out what exactly he was doing um because again I wasn't primed at all like right our priming was lift yourself which was like a fucking troll move I just you know I was lost but like not lost in a bad way I wasn't like what the fuck is he doing it was just like I I need like the proper setting to like I can't be driving 80 miles an hour down a highway and like trying to like consume this out like I need to get home and give it a full listen so it was it was a strange experience in that way so I wasn't like necessarily disappointed in it but I kind of had um what's the right word a, a bit of a more passive reaction to it like there were parts of the album that were like amazing I was like fuck yeah he's the best but most of the time I was mostly like I wonder what it's doing though <laughs> yeah, I I did it here. I I mean, I heard the opening speech, of course. Um on thought about killing you, but most of the lyrics I just wasn't comprehending. It was just a very like drunken experience. Yeah. Of just kind of the euphoria of that it's happening, that I'm listening to it, but I wasn't really processing any of it which was a strange feeling yeah so yeah for you it's much more about the the sonic experience then yeah which isn't typically the case with how i listen to music yes (laughs) that's what i was thinking i tend to be very like fuck the music give me the lyrics (laughs) Uh, so that was that was really cool to me um but it meant that when i did a i did a reaction video right after on uh good old youtube and i was just like you know i think the album's amazing um but i i don't think i know the core concept or anything yet so we'll get into that on the podcast and talking about it in future videos and there were somebody that started yelling at me like how can you call the album amazing when you don't even understand it that's the power of kanye yeah I was just like, well, you could watch 2001 A Space Odyssey and be like, the shot selection's amazing, this acting's amazing, the dialogue, like, the mise-en-scene. I know it's doing something more, but I can't tell you what that is yet, but yeah. the movie's amazing. He's like, no, you can't presuppose. <laughs> so just getting into, no, like, Chris. 
yeah all these arguments with people right away so it went from like being a very like wow what a euphoria to like motherfucker it's a life of a kind they stand though yeah i'll i'll school you on how to listen to music and watch movies and engage with art (laughs) uh so you went to bed like not really know how to feel it then i'm guessing you woke up and just listened to it nonstop. Yeah, I went to bed around 5.30. The Life of Chris. Yeah. That's the name of your album. The Life of Chris. Uh, I spent some time, there were some SoundCloud streams that cropped up. So I got to listen to the album, I think maybe like five times. Just through listening to those over and over and over again. Um... And some of the lyrics started picking up more and more, but I, I was pretty on board, like right away, and knew from the beginning that Ghost Town and Violet Crimes were my two favorite. Violet Crimes, man. That's some shit. Like, and he, he's not allowed to sing about North anymore. I can't handle it. No, it's like, oh my god, it just tugs at my heartstrings every time. Only one. Violent crimes. Wolves. Wolves. Dad Yay in full force. Like, he gets so emotional. And it makes me emotional. I'm not uh, equipped for that. But you woke up and it was on Spotify at that point, I'm guessing. Yeah, I woke up on Spotify. Like I continued to I it was cool because I got to have a few conversations with people uh that I think are a bit more like privileged conversations, but just getting some insight into the album and some ideas about it, which um, was really cool to get that insight to. Um, And just still tweeting with people and having a lot of that like post album listening conversation and seeing a lot of the hype on Twitter was a lot of fun. Um, This wasn't like the life of Pablo and it wasn't like Yeezus and that there was such crazy... Uh, back and forth about whether or not it was good. It just seemed that most Yay fans and most people that just have a pulse really like the album. And that's been exciting to see. Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. I mean, that definitely was not the reaction to The Life of Pablo. There were so many people calling us crazy, like right away and saying it was scattershot and not put together properly and all that. Yeah, that was a... That was a battle to have those conversations. And I'm glad we're through a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. So where at this point people see the which one structure and how that influenced the soundscape and the lyrics and all of that. But I'm glad we don't have to deal with that on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I woke up in, um, well, so I got into Chicago around like midnight. And I always thought that I would get to Chicago and start listening to the album like right away. Because I figured it would be on Spotify and everything, but I passed the fuck out when I got here. Um, But because I have trouble sleeping sometimes, I woke up at like 4.30 in the morning um, and knew I wasn't going to fall back asleep. I was like, well, I guess I'll go listen to Kanye. Um, But it wasn't on Spotify, and um, I think I was listening to the SoundCloud uh, recording you had. Uh, mm. Which was basically just the live streams. So you had to hear everybody in the background, and that—that's not satisfactory at all. But I did listen to that a couple times, and then I bought the 
the shirt because I knew I'd get a digital download for it. And I thought I would get the digital download right away, but it actually, <laughs> I just got the email. Like we just got it 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, so I was sitting there just like, I guess I don't get to listen to it. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> it came out on Spotify and then all hell broke loose. I listened to it. If I count the live streams and what I did this morning, I've listened to it 10 times now. And I got to say it gets like, I just do not get sick of it. I think it gets better each time. Which is kind of crazy with for an album that's very specific and explicit and open in a way that I don't think Kanye's been in a very long time. Um, to not have to dig through a storyline and just have it all kind of on the surface there for you. For that, for me to not get sick of that is kind of amazing. Yeah, and I wonder if part of that is just how it's structured, a lot of how it's primed with I Thought About Killing You. I think there's depth to it in a lot of the connectivity but like just in the sense like very very just general that the first part of I thought about killing you one just I thought about killing you but that he says premeditated murder again and again and that track seven is violent crimes like you're just seeing little connective uh, tissue between songs like that and I think there is like this incorporated depth, but there's so much that's on the surface that you can just take away from that. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating how he's layered this. Yeah, and and yeah, I don't think there's a storyline like we've posited before of the Jesus and the Life of Pablo, but there is movement to it. To where I think like the first half of the album is like, yes, he's regrouping with being bipolar, but he introduces side chicks and Kim and the second song, and that moves all the way through. Uh, wouldn't leave and then it kind of feels like he's done talking specifically about Kim but even in um, God, I'm trying to remember all the songs at this point no mistakes no, yeah no mistakes she says make no mistakes I still love you and then in Ghost Town he's talking about I've been trying to make you love me which feels like a transition from him talking to Kim to him talking about the public like there is a movement to these songs that um, we will get as we analyze them song by song but I also kind of get them just listening to it almost um, without even realizing that I'm getting it. Like the album's just washing over me in that way and it feels like a cohesive storyline. Like it feels like an actual um, step into the side the, inside the mind of Kanye. You know what I would compare it to in a way? Um, it's just classical music. Sure. You would have classical music that very much conveyed through the tone uh, through the soundscape and emotional scape. Um, and you would have something that sounded harsh, clanging, and they would mellow out and become something that's using more, less percussion, more chords, if that's strings. Strings is it. <laughs> more strings and becoming something beautiful. And you could then take away from that experience, despite there not being any words, no characters, nothing that there was turmoil that passed and that there's something lovely that follows. Uh, Vivaldi's Four Quartets goes through, or Four Seasons, yeah, um, goes through all of the seasons and there's a specific tone to winter, a specific to summer, spring, fall, 
and you can see the contrast between winter and summer and really get the emotional scape of them just through that. And I feel like Kanye's captured that. Mm-hmm. And just the soundscape really takes you from this descended place, the, the sunken place, if we want to meme it, uh, to an ascended place. Yeah, totally. It, it even reminds me a little bit of a... <clears throat> like a experimental like short film like chris and i have a film website and we talk about a lot of that stuff like like a maya darren film or even like something like stan brackage where like it's definitely conveying a mood in a way that it doesn't need like the kind of coherency that you get from regular storyline but you can tell what's going on and you can feel the emotion shifting from scene to scene there's something really beautiful that uh, connie's ability as a producer to capture all that and um, just effortlessly move you through the the ideas he's exploring. Yeah, and I wonder too. Uh, you know, he produced all of these albums that are coming out, right? Just mostly, though. There's a lot of production credits on his album, so maybe he was just producing a lot of the others. Um. Or are there not a lot of production credits? Checking this out real fast. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ghost Town. Produced by Francis and the Lights, Benny Blanco, Mike Dean, and Kanye West. Yeah. So it looks like there's... It's not entirely Kanye producing the Kanye album, even though he entirely produced the Pusha T. He's supposed to be entirely producing Nas, Tiana Taylor... I wonder if that's kind of sharpened the pencil a bit or sharpened Mm -hmm. the knife where working on all those projects at once, getting back into his like production groove kind of made this album even more sharp than maybe what life of Pablo was with the time between Jesus and life of Pablo and him not really working on a lot of other projects in this concentrated way. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Hmm. Huh, Travis. Huh. <laughs> and it's such a different, like, I mean, comparing this, the production of this to Pusha T's album, like, Pusha T's album is so tight and it's very classic in a way. It has a lot of, like, Wu Tang vibes and it's a lot of, like, straight samples and some, and he's tinkering of stuff throughout, but, like, it's actually pretty straightforward for compared to what Kanye has been doing for his last few albums um it compared to yay you know yay is so much more ambitious and uh the way like i'm trying to think on on yikes when um he's going through those lines and uh shit could get medicine and there's that the song i'm thinking of yeah and then Kanye comes in he's like see this is what all the bitches fuck with yay and there's such a complexity to even like the smallest things in his songs that I bet he did have a lot of people helping him out on that while he's working, you know, straight up producing everything else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, I do love what people have been pointing out uh, since the album came out. The picture is just a picture Kanye took, uh, the album cover. and On the way to the live stream. Yeah, or on the way, yeah, because it's uh, sunset. The magic hour. 
so to speak. Uh, and yet he paid $85,000 for Pusha T's album cover. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny that he's like, okay, I'm going to get this picture for you. But for me, yeah, I'm just going to take it with my phone. But damn, that's a good phone picture. That's pretty solid. Like, it's really nice. He must have the iPhone X. <laughs> Turns out it's an iPhone 4. <laughs> Such a trusty phone. <laughs> Chris's glowing review of the iPhone 4. It really was a game changer, you know? <laughs> totally. Bigger advancement than the 5, 6, or 7. Uh, so, uh, what, do you have maybe an initial favorite or top two or something? Yeah, definitely. It's still uh, Ghost Town and Violent Crimes, though all mine has been growing on me a lot. And uh, the meta part of my soul, or I guess the postmodern part of my soul, really loves I Thought About Killing You. Yeah, I was going to say I Thought About Killing You. It kind of has a ULB vibe to me. Like the first time I heard Ultra Light Beam, it was like, oh, like this is music is different now. Like I kind of felt that way while listening to it. I was like, oh man, like Kanye's never done anything like this. Like this is special. And it still has that power every time I listen to it. Um, I guess the only thing holding me back from saying that's my favorite is that in ways it doesn't feel like an actual song. Um, it had kind of has three different parts where it's like spoken word and then like it speeds up and it speeds up again as he gets more aggressive and gets more um, reflective and reacting to the way people think he's supposed to act. Like all this, like it feels like more of like an experiment than a song. Um, but if I was going to pick, I would say that and damn ghost town is so fucking good i don't know that and violent crimes are my favorites right now though yeah 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 travis (laughs) i mean ghost town i think mostly for me for the outro oh the outro is insane it's so beautiful i was pumped when i heard cuddy but uh the zero seven zero shake who's on the outro just jesus yeah i'm excited for anything she's gonna do yeah a lot of people that have been tweeting about her too and just being like watch out for her look out for her she's about to blow up she's so good and some of that some of those are people that worked on the album some of those are just people that are fans of hers have heard her so that's uh is this nikki 2.0 i mean maybe i've never listened to her this is my first dose of it or I guess not Nikki in terms of like an artist, but Nikki in terms oh. of like Kanye being yeah. a stepping stone for us being like, what a what a verse or like what a what a part in this album and then career blows up. Yeah, totally. It, interesting you bring up Nikki though, because that brings in a theory you had about this album. Oh yeah. I should we say it here or should I uh save it for Tuesday? Uh oh, I guess it's up to you. I, I think it's okay to talk about it generally okay uh with the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy 2 yeah okay so malik youssef uh had mentioned that this was my beautiful dark twisted fantasy 2 and a couple other people that have been part of the production had said that so when you look at my beautiful dark twisted fantasy the intro is Nicki minaj 
welcoming you to the fantasy. And the outro on this is Nicki Minaj. So it's almost like the door that you enter through, but also the door that you exit through is Nikki. Um, so it's like she placed us in the fantasy and then it's through her that we exit the fantasy. And in that first album, it's really a descent. Like you have that real world of dark fantasy, gorgeous and power before transitioning into the fantasy world. And then here, it's like you start rising up from the fantasy world. You come out of, I thought about killing you, yikes, all mine, with would it leave? And that's kind of where you start ascending back to reality. Um, Or at least a different kind of fantasy. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm-mm. But there's also something, too, about having Nikki on in relation to all the Drake stuff. The same way that Kanye included Silver Surfer Intermission, because there was the controversy bef- controversy, controversy <laughs> before the album uh, with Wiz Khalifa and Kanye wanting to use Waves as the title of Life of Pablo. Um, so then he had Max B, you know, the Wave Man, uh, sign off on the album. And just before this album came out, we had Drake yelling about ghostwriting for Kanye, uh, that he's had to help Kanye in ways that like he never expected. And here, the final part with Nikki is, it sounds like Nikki saying the way I would do this. Uh, I'm saying it like, I want a daughter like Nikki. Oh man, I promise I'm a turner to a monster, but no menages. Uh, I don't know how you saying it, but let me hear this. So it seems like Kanye had written something. Yeah. Nikki's responding to what he had said with how she would say it. And then we know that Kanye used that from his rapping on the album. So people are treating this as this big reveal, like Nikki wrote it. Uh, Nikki wrote the verse, which writing the verse seems a bit too far. <laughs> it's two lines. Um, but there's something to this idea of what Drake was saying and Kanye's taking it and showing like this is what happens it's this dialogue I got a reference from her I used it like what 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 are you gonna do yeah yeah I can't wait to dig into the meaning of that outro but yeah I guess we should save that for our overview we gotta, we gotta keep something, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, yeah. Do Do you know where it fits into your album ranking, or is that too early? Ah, fuck. Um. You know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna while out and just say right now, number one. Yeah, I, it didn't take me very long to put Life of Pablo at the at the top. And anybody who listens to this show know Chris and I rank the albums generally in reverse chronological order. Um, and it's tough because I think about Jesus and I think about what it's doing and I think about how complex its story is. And I guess if I'm judging it from the perspective of how I would look at like a movie and how like a story should be, like Jesus is the best but I just can't shake like 
all the different places life Papa goes and how much more animated it is and how it feels more revealing and you know the my standum at the time it came out like all these factors play into it that make it my favorite and i i feel the same way about yay now i'm I'm kind of on your level that it's my it's just my favorite like i don't know if i can even say which one's the best it's just that yay feels so much more special and so much more relevant and revealing of kanye to the point where like i feel like i can't help but say it's my favorite right you just feel that compulsion but it's like so earned like it 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 is just in true kind of fashion it unlike anything else he's done and unlike anything else i've heard yeah very much so i'm not listening to this being like oh he just rehashed late registration <laughs> that's no you really can't compare um, it to any of his albums no and i can't think of other album the only other album i can think to compare it to is like coloring book I feel oh, like some sure. of the some of the soundscapes that I was hearing on Coloring Book, I'm kind of hearing on this, but on Coloring Book, it just kind of annoyed me. Um, I wasn't into it, <laughs> but here, I really love it. Yeah. Um, oh, there was something else that that made me think about. Oh, so as you're saying with Yeezus, like Yeezus as a as a story in and of itself, same with Life of Pablo, is so fascinating. And both have moments that kind of transcend their internal story and relate to Kanye and Kanye's life. But this album feels so much more about Kanye to where maybe that's one of the things that draws us is that there's so much more... Like, as interesting as the Yeezus character was, as interesting as the Pablo character was, they were characters that we were just meeting on those albums Mm -hmm. with some context of Kanye's life brought into it. But this is entirely around Kanye's life. Right. Uh, There's not a character that he's hiding behind on the album. This is Ye. And that's really fascinating to me. This album almost reminds me of the Truman show and it's like we've been watching the Truman show and seeing like the actual the character living or the guy living in the world and not knowing it and that this is his waking up and getting out of there yeah Um, I mean if you even think about the titles of each of those albums uh, something we talked about earlier before the podcast but each of those albums has a name in it you know Jesus is exploring Jesus and the life of Pablo is exploring somebody who's going from being Paul or Saul to Paul and like becoming a saint. There's something like extra about all of that. And then what is the new op called? It's just called yay. Like this is just me guys. This is me exploring myself. I'm stripping away all the bullshit. I'm stripping away all storylines. Like I'm just going to be explicit and open. Yeah. I feel like that's actually going to be the major talking point that people eventually land on is as the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy connection starts to come out more is that the one album is about a dark twisted fantasy and then next you get a character called Jesus, which sounds like something out of a dream mm. next you get life of pablo which is about pablo which sounds like something out of a dream but then when the dream's over the fantasy's over you're waking up it's back to yay and it's just you can almost 
I don't think that's intentional. I don't think he sat there and was like, I'm going to write these four albums <laughs> and get <laughs> into it. But there's just something really insane about how that tracks. Um, and I do wonder if maybe he had been aware of that and just kind of looked at the album titles and was like, yeah, yay. We'll go with that. Or if he was just like, I don't have a title. I'm just going to call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, we need a title. We're driving to the live stream right now. We got something. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> um, but if you hear people start saying album titles, it was here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else to cover? I mean, I, I feel like we've touched most of the territory outside of analyzing every nook and cranny of the album. Yeah, right. <laughs> this became more of an overview than what's the overview episode going to be? I don't think um, we did too much of it because we'll go track by track. Yeah, it's going to, we'll get into it. Um, no, I'm just excited by how happy people are. And I know there's still some people that are very angry at Kanye, hating on Kanye, that are still separating artist and art uh and there's still people that are questioning how did this answer anything about how kanye feels about trump about any of this uh i think it's something where people will hopefully i don't know connect with this on one day like it's just it's sad to me that people won't get to experience this or (laughs) won't appreciate it because of uh of an anger where this feels so much like an opening up of like, this is, this is why that was. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not saying like, these are my political beliefs, but this is saying like, this is what was going on with me. And like, this is who I am. And I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I also love myself and like, I mean, well, yeah, it's not like he comes out and says, this is the reason I supported Trump or this is the reason I put on the hat explicitly but he does talk about his mindset and how he was afraid to be him truly be himself and he had to battle that and learn to love both sides of himself you know that's the bipolar nature of it um and that way he's answering it pretty straightforwardly it's just up to the listener to gather that yeah uh, active versus passive so let's be some active uh, motherfuckers <laughs> yeah we'll do the active stuff for you uh you just you just engage, but you should do active stuff too. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know anything else that you wanna you wanna talk about. No, I'm on the same level as you. I'm I'm glad that there's so much love surrounding this because that's what Kanye was preaching. You know, love yourself, love everybody, um, love old man Ebro, just love everything. And if you do that coming out of this album, then he did what he you know set out to do. Oh yay. I think my favorite just last thing is just I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. On the cover with that photo mm. is my favorite thing. Yeah. Um I mean right away he brings up the bipolar talk in the album and I mean that's obviously what the entire first song is about. Um it's kind of a and I think that's the best part of this is you know, I mean, sure, it's an examination of being bipolar and dealing with being bipolar, but there's something so universal about what he's talking about at its core that it's not about having, you know, a mental 
handicap or having to go through something extra. You know, this is something everybody goes through. Like everybody is at odds with who they want to be, um, who they're expected to be. And it's hard to love every part of yourself, including the shitty parts. You know, you, everyone does stupid things, but learning to do that will make you a better person and um, open yourself up and invite people into your life and you'll just live a generally better life. You know, that's always exploring. Yeah, I every day have moments where I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, where did that come from? Why? Why, Chris? Why? I think of that about you too sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did he take 30 minutes to respond to that? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, then, should we tell people about things? Yeah, so... We strongly encourage you to go on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, Five-star reviews are really cool, but vote however your heart feels. Um, And leave us a review and let us know if there's anything we can fix. That would be awesome. Yeah, and if you, you know, feel like supporting monetarily, uh, we have a few options for you. There's a Patreon, you know, with as little as $1 a month, you can help us out. Uh, That goes to helping pay for the podcast, uh, creating shirts for Kanye fans such as yourself, um, and just kind of allowing us to do more with the show. Uh, There's a lot of things that we would like to do, but don't have the funds to do. Uh, We also have some shirts available on watchingthethrone.com. Currently got two uh, Hold My Liquor shirts, which is pretty dope, and uh, one inspired by Runaway, uh, which two versions of that. So you can check those out there. Uh, and then we also have the Yeezus book coming out. Uh, it drops June 18th. Yeah. Uh, it's a coffee table, like, it's a coffee table book with a bunch of, like, really cool art and pictures, but it also is a lyrical deconstruction of what's going on. We talk about the album, we talk about the tour, um, talk about the production, we talk about all kinds of shit. It's all Yeezus. Yeah. Uh, that book is going to be very comprehensive, very cool. Um something to impress all your friends and family with you know <laughs> yeah uh, anything else what else do we do oh we have a twitter at Kanye podcast yeah and that's pretty much almost a 24 hours a day Kanye party <laughs> it is because Chris stays up all night and then I wake up in the morning and continue twittering <laughs> yeah so uh, if you want to connect with other Kanye fans uh, share your perspectives uh, shit post meme have deep discussions you know follow us on there (laughs) too many retweets but we actually last night i should have said this we uh hit the daily tweet limits uh of 2400 tweets sent in a 24-hour period (laughs) so 100 an hour yeah um and most of those were sent between like 10 o'clock and midnight (laughs) So there was actually like a two and a half hour window where I couldn't tweet at all. I think we're going to top that again today. Yeah, it felt close. Like I could already feel like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) So uh, lots of conversation on there. Yeah. Um, Oh, Connie tweeted. This is live. Oh, he just tweeted the live stream. That is on Spotify. (laughs) It's a little late though. Yeah, right. Kanye. It's been there for hours. <laughs> Could you imagine somebody that just saw Kanye's tweets 
but hadn't yet checked Spotify or Apple Music or anything else. It was just like, oh, great. Or hadn't checked, really had just been under a rock and hadn't checked Twitter in months. It was like, <laughs> oh, there's a new Kanye album. You're like, where have you been? What are you doing? I wish I could live that life. I I do not. <laughs> All right, well, uh, until Tuesday when we drop our overview of Yay, thanks for listening. Keep it wavy. And stay loopy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.